Welcome to Science Radio, a space where we chat about culture, belief, wellness, and current events, all through the lens of faith. Hello, welcome back to Science Radio. My name is Jesse, and today we have a very special episode for you. If you have been keeping up with Signs of the Times magazine, no doubt you'll have noticed one of our more popular stories recently. It was the magazine's cover story in the month of August, and it's a really special article. From trauma at a very early age, to drug addiction, to a series of incredibly catastrophic accidents... Greg's life has not been easy. And yet, in the midst of all the trauma and the tragedy, somehow God found a way into Greg's life. This conversation was a live event that we did with Greg in early September of 2022. We dug deeper into his story, asking him about some of the incredible things that have happened to him and how God made his way into Greg's life and really turned it around. I'm so excited to be able to share this with you today. So strap in and I hope you enjoy our conversation with Greg Fernance. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to a very, very special live stream. Uh, my name is Jesse, and I am joined by the one, the only, Greg Fernance. Good evening, Greg. How are you? Hey, Jesse. How are you? Good, doing good. Thanks, mate. Oi, I am. I am well, and I'm glad to hear that you are well. Um, this is a conversation that has been a long time coming, uh, so. I'm excited to finally be here. We have Greg in the flesh, even though I'm in Sydney, you're all the way up in Grafton. Um, but I know that we have people watching all around Australia, New Zealand, the islands, and who knows where else in the world. So it's just a real privilege to be able to um, share this time together. So today I just wanted to um, quickly go through what we're going to be talking about. Um, if you have picked up a science magazine or perhaps you've uh, seen the article on our website, signsofthetimes.org.au, no doubt you have, will have come across this beautiful man to my right. Um, Greg's story is someone, something that came to us um, a little while ago and just really inspired us. And so we decided we have to zero in on, on Greg and his testimony, his story, um, because of just how inspiring it was to us. And we believe that it is going to be inspiring for many of you as well. Um, so perhaps you've read the article. Um, you may have seen Greg potentially kicking around Grafton or who else, who knows where else. Um, Greg is uh, becoming a bit of a, a celebrity. Um, <laughs> so if you do see him, say good day. He's a, he's a friendly guy. Um, but today what we really want to do is zero in on your story, Greg, and dig a little bit deeper. Um, for our article in the magazine, the August issue of Science, we were able to get this much, but tonight I'm excited because we're going to get like this much of your story today. Um, so I'm really excited for that. And there's a couple of really cool things that um, 
we're going to be able to dig into today. And I, I would be remiss of me to um, not mention this right at the top. Um, if you have read the, the magazine and you'd like to get more of Signs of the Times, there is a very special offer that we are going to be running tonight. So if you use the promo code greg for free um, when you get a subscription, a year subscription for Science Magazine, you can get one month free off your subscription. You can do that by going to scienceofthetimes.org.au. Uh, I'll remind us as we go through, um, that is a very special offer that we're running um, for this event. Um, so yeah, really, really cool. The other thing I wanted to mention right at the top is that if you have any questions for Greg, maybe you've read his story in the magazine, maybe there's something that jumps out to you as we go through our, our conversation this evening and you'd like to ask him a question or just have something random to throw at him. He's a bona fide pastor. So, you know, whether it's all about BMX riding or it's theological or anywhere in between, uh, if you've got a great question for Greg, chuck it our way. Yeah, put it in the comments and uh, we might be able to get to it at the end of the of the conversation. So I hope that is as clear as mud to everybody out there. Uh, I'm excited for, uh, for what we have to share this evening. What we're going to do before we get into our, in our interview, Greg, is we are going to share a little bit more of your story um, via the wonders of video. So you may have seen our little promo video that we did for Signs uh, Month for August, but here is a much bigger version of that story. So we're going to watch a video uh, all together, and then we're going to come back and have a chat. How does that sound, Greg? Sounds great, mate. Awesome. All right, let's do it. Let's watch the video now. I was born and raised in the church and I left when I was 15. I was taken off my parents at a young age. I questioned where was God in all of this? As I went out into the world and, and left home and I got into the scene of BMXing and as I was BMXing I um, thought that my life was going to come this, this big famous life of, of riding a bike got some sponsorships and, and rode with some guys who were, who were really good and, and did a lot of travelling and got mixed up into to drugs and alcohol and, and just started to live a, a reckless life. I had three major accidents actually. The first one was in 2007. I remember waking up in the, in the hospital just thinking, oh no, my life's done. It took like 12 months again to, to be able to walk. Then I had my second accident in 2009 and I fell off the back of a car and this time it really messed me up. And the, the doctor said, if you hit your head again, you're gonna die. As I recovered from that one miraculously, I started riding again a few years later and then I had my third accident and I'd come off my bike again. And this time when I hit the ground, I went into violent convulsions. They rushed me down to the POW hospital in Sydney and um, I'd, I'd gained severe epilepsy on top of my third brain injury. And by this stage, I was having two, three, sometimes four fits every day. And this was incontinence and, and not breathing and just total knocked out on the ground, grand males they call them. 
and there was just not much hope for me. And the doctors were telling me, you'll never work again, you'll never drive again, you'll never have a normal life again. So I just gave up. And after that, I just started to, to drink more. I started to get on really hard drugs and I really started to, to get into some bad stuff. And the doctors told me, you need to stop living your life the way that you do, or otherwise you're going to die. But I didn't care. You can see that I have skulls all over me. My theory was that I was going to be buried in a coffin with no clothes and just a full suit of tattoos with, with death written all over me because I was going to die. My dad was, was really worried about He'd send pastors to me all the time. And um, I'd be like, oh, another pastor. Here we go. Here we go. This guy's going to tell me about a, a fairy tale, you know, that's written in this little book. Until one day I met this one guy. And um, this guy was different. He'd led a life like me. He'd been in the world. And as I met this guy, he never mentioned God once. He just, he just built a friendship with me. And then one day he said, I want to study the Bible with you. Automatically, I, I took that on as an opportunity to take another pastor down. And I went to that Bible study just off my face. We open with prayer. And then he just reads from Genesis. So simple. And it was that in that moment of time, before I could even get a word out to have a go at this guy, that the Holy Spirit hit me in the face like a brick. It was like a brick. And I hang my head down in shame, just crying, knowing that, that there was a God out there that, that did love me. Even though that he knew everything that I did, he did love me. It was like I heard that, you know, like, a, like that small voice that the Bible talks about, that still small voice. And God said, I know where you've been. I know what you've done. And I still love you. And, and I'll never forget that. I, I went home and um, the next day I just woke up and I went, that's it. No more drugs. And I remember getting to the steps of the headland and just crying out and saying, God, if you're really there, then you need to change my life. It was not long after that that I had a visit, another visit down at the POW hospital. Then I come out to see the doctor. I had the tests and the scans and I come out to see the doctor. And then she comes into the room and she looks different to what she normally does on this day. And she goes, your epilepsy, it's gone. It's gone. And I said, what do you mean it's gone? It's not possible. She goes, we can't, can't um, explain how this has happened. This is just a miraculous um, recovery that you've had. And I said, I remember saying, I know how this has happened. I knew that God had answered that prayer and God had a calling for me. So upon that calling, I went home and, and oh, I just stuck my head in the Bible. I wanted to get to know the person that, that had wrote this book, the person that knew everything about me. Then as my relationship with God grew, I, I wanted to serve him. But I wanted to, to give the one person that, that loved me, I wanted to share that with other people, to tell other people that their life doesn't have to be in, in chaos and turmoil. And I decided that I needed to work for him. My, my little girl who had been taken from me when I was, when she was only three months old, 
I was praying now that I could get her back. And I had to go through the court process and do all that stuff. And I sat down and there was people standing around the walls that was that full. But there was a spare seat next to me. And then moving from that spare seat and going into the courtroom, same thing, people all decked out along the walls, but a spare seat next to me. And this happened three or four times as I went in and out of the courtroom this day on the, on the, on the hearing. And, and then I began to like, think, man, do I stink or something? Why is there a spare seat next to me all the time? And then that small voice again, that seat is for me. And it was like God's way of telling me that I'm here with you today. And I was awarded custody of my daughter 100% and I took her home. And I'll, I'll never forget the day and she was finally awarded to me. I wanted to give up my job, but I had a daughter to take care of and I wanted to serve God. So back to the prayer table and I'm praying. I'm praying again, how is this possible? And in the end, God was speaking to me and just, you have to fully surrender. You have to give everything to me. So I just rang up. I rang up the guy and I said, I can't come to work anymore. I'm, I'm going to serve God. And I didn't know how we were going to survive, how we were going to get through. And through miracle after miracle after miracle, God provided for us all the time. The local church started to support me. And um, being a single dad and serving God, I, I, life was starting to come good. You know, it was starting to come back together. And then I, I knew that I had to, to do further study. I knew that I had to learn more. And I just had this hunger. And someone suggested, why don't you go to Arise? So Arise is like a discipleship program for anyone that doesn't know what that is. And, and they, you basically walk through from Genesis to Revelation and find out what the story of the Bible is all about. And um, I had no idea how I was going to do that. I didn't own a computer. I was very illiterate. I, was, I, was, I learned to read through the Bible like my brain was that fried. I couldn't use a computer. I didn't have the internet. I didn't have a printer. I didn't have any of that stuff. So I prayed again. And that year, someone who had never bought me a Christmas present before bought me one. And when I opened it up, there was a laptop. And then somebody else who had never bought me a Christmas present, I, I, I opened that up and it was a printer. And then the church comes to me and they say, we've decided in the business meeting that we're going to pay for your internet for 12 months while you do the course. So I do the course while I'm, while I'm doing Bible studies out in the community, just, just volunteering. And and God recognises that, that there's something happening here. So my life still has challenges. I still go through stuff in life. Don't, don't ever think when you come to God, all of that's going to go away. Because when you come to God, the enemy is out to attack you. And the, the Bible tells us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, seeks about like a roaring lion to take you down, you know. And, and so I still face challenges in my life. And, um, and that's the thing about forgiveness with God. God forgives you for what you have done, but the consequences are still there. We make choices and our choices make us. But those tough moments are not like before where I couldn't deal with it and I had to just, just give up. 
because I know now that I have Jesus. And when you've got Jesus in your weakness, his power works best. So when you're going through those trials, he's always there. He's always there to, to pull you out. My name is Greg Finance and I'm currently the pastor here at Grafton SDA Church. Um, I'm on a P3 pathway at the moment um, through the North New South Wales Conference and um, just glad to be serving in my home community actually here at Grafton. Wow, uh, I've, uh, I've, I've seen that story uh, on the page and I've watched it so many times, but it, it never ceases to amaze me, Greg, what God's done in your life. What an incredible, incredible story. I'm, I'm a bit curious, I must uh, admit, as you know, I've watched this a lot of times, but I'm sure you have too, and this is your story. When you see that sort of from beginning to end, knowing where you are now what does that what does that feel like to you it's um it's quite emotional actually i was here um rubbing the tears out of my eyes as i watched that um it's it's just amazing to me to to look back and to to realize um how much god has done for me you know and then to question why why would god do that for me mm. And to realize then that God loves me that much, just as much as He loves anyone else. And yeah, um, yeah it's 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 tough to watch, but it, it's it's a it's a um, blessed reminder of of the grace of God. Mm, indeed, it is. Well, look, I um I, I I really I purposely didn't want to introduce you too much right at the beginning there because if if anybody's joining us who hasn't actually seen your story, I didn't really want to spoil anything, and I hope that. Um, for those of you who are joining us live now, you've gotten more of an impression, an idea of really the sort of story that we're dealing with here. And so what I wanted to just go through with you um, in the in the time that we have this evening is a little bit more of that story and pull out some threads uh, because there's so much in there. There's so much richness. Um, there's a lot of um, darkness as well that we that we could talk about, but there's also a lot of redemption um, yeah. in there. So I want to start, if that's okay with you, uh, at the very beginning, because a lot of stories like yours tend to start in a dark place, but you actually some, in some ways started where you are now. You started in the church, but then you were taken yeah. out of that environment. You only touched on that briefly, so whatever you're comfortable sharing with, but can you tell us a little bit about maybe that early start of being in the church and then what took you away from that environment as at a young age? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I, yeah, I, I grew up in the church and um, loved the church. Um, all us kids, well, the three kids and, and my mum and dad, my mum and dad are actually, this is their local church, so, yeah, yeah. Um, 
we grew up and and did all the the church things that a normal family would do and and um it all it all unfolded when when I was about oh, 12 or 13 I was about more more 12 I think I was just going into year 7 I believe and um yeah um we were removed off my parents um by the government through um some false allegations that were made and um that made me question you know wh- why would why would god do this to to a good christian family why would god do this to his own people but little did i know that that god wasn't the cause of that you know that that we are in a in a battle and there is an enemy and but it was enough for me at that stage of my journey being a young christian not knowing enough to just walk away and that's when i mm-hmm. walked away and what age were you at that point so so we we were removed when I was about eleven. We spent a, a twelve months or so away from my parents. They regained custody when I was about thirteen, I believe. But then by the by the age of fifteen, I was like I was walking. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life was too hard. I'm I'm curious as well uh, as a bit of an aside. You, your siblings. What, was their story similar to yours, different? How did that kind of turn? I know that's like, you know, an entire life. How can you sum that yeah, up? Yeah, but so, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. So so my sister, she still lives um, locally and, and has a faith still. She she doesn't come to church anymore but, but still has a faith, which is good. And my brother actually passed away when I came back to the church the, the second time when I was 30. So I was back in the church for like oh not even twelve months, and and he 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 um had an accident off the off the rocks fishing, but he was he was oh. in a similar lifestyle to me, so out in the world, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's um yeah, that must have been really tough. Yeah, yeah. I guess, like I said in the clip, you know, the the enemy's out there to attack, and the the bad stuff doesn't go away, and the more you come to God, the more He's going to attack and. And yeah, that was that was his way of getting because me and my brother were really close, you see. And um, yeah, but that's that's the way it went down. Yeah. So, all right, going back then to your, um, you know, you're a teenager, you're leaving home, you're trying to become your own person, and BMX. That's the thing that really, um, I guess you 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 affiliate with, you you resonate with. Tell us a bit like about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when I left home, I um, apart from work because I had to pay rent and stuff, um, that that was what I tried to fill the hole that was missing in my life. You know, that God hole that everyone tries to fill with something. And um, at that stage, I that was BMX was my thing. So when I wasn't at work, I was I was at the skate park, and I was riding. And then on the weekends, we were traveling, and and yeah, and it just progressed from that. Yeah. And you're pretty good, right? Yeah, I guess you could say that. I don't want to like toot my own horn to speak, but um, but yeah, it was it was a sport that I that I took to and and was and was fairly talented at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously, things didn't quite work out the way that you possibly dreamed that they would. And uh, you had your first accident, and that's when things really started to take a bit of a nosedive is that sort of how it went down yeah yeah absolutely um 
I went down with some some guys to to the Royal um, Sydney the Easter show to ride, and it rained there at that year, and it was too wet to ride at the park. So um, so we just went back to where we were staying, and we went down to a lo- just a little local park. And um, you know, when you when you're at that stage of of riding, you're like, oh, I don't really need a helmet. I'm not going to crash. We're just mucking around, you know. And we'd had a few drinks and I'd went down to this little park and sure enough, I went up and I came down like the doors of gravity and head first into the concrete and split my skull down here and just pulled it like apart and had a bleed on the brain. And, and that's when I woke up in the hospital and, and knew it was all over. And at that point, what were the doctors telling you about the repercussions of, of what you'd done? Yeah, so so the, the first thing that was said to me was, I can't believe that you're here. <laughs> I could have died back on the concrete, you know. And um, and I had a neck brace on and that, and they weren't sure how it was all going to go, and, and neither was I. I, um, I had really bad amnesia, so I didn't really know who was coming in and what was happening and... and um, but yeah, the comments were, you know, you're in a bad way, and if you do come good from this, it's going to take a long time. Mm. Yeah. So, I imagine, you know, I'm, a lot of us know your story, so we kind of know where this is going. But it does make me a little bit curious about the trajectory from from then on, because a lot of people would give up you know, at, at that point and just sort of, you know, okay, whatever, I'm just going to live in squalor or whatever. A lot of people go, hey, no, I refuse to accept this. I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to do exercise and rehab and, you know, I'm going to become like a superstar. What was going through your head when you were processing all of this? And, I'm yeah, because I'm curious about you obviously made some sort of decision around this time that set you on the path that you went on. Yeah, yeah. So so I guess I went through all those emotions, you know. First of all, I went through the stage of, well, that's it. If I can't ride a bike anymore, I don't want to live. Hmm. So that's when I started to get really heavy into to alcohol and, and more drugs and that. And, and then as I started to come... Like there was a little bit of light at the tunnel, you know, when I could get up on a wheelie walker out of a chair and take some steps. Um, I thought, well, maybe, maybe, maybe they're just all wrong and I will be able to ride again, you know. So I pushed a little bit harder and um, and and got to that point where where I could nearly get back on a bike and then I had that second accident. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, tell us about the second accident. Yeah, so the, the second accident, of course, I, I was mixed up in the scene with drugs and alcohol and we used to go on the weekends, we'd go out full driving out. There's a um, state forest out here at Grafton called Bon Bon and, and it's a pretty pretty wild four-wheel drive track. It's, it's pretty fun, but um, I was hanging off the back of the, off the four-wheel drive, so not in the four-wheel drive, but, but my mates were all driving and they were all in the car and I was on like the bumper at the back hanging onto the roof just course. just like a normal thing to do you know just yeah, a really yeah, normal thing yeah, to do. yeah the smart <laughs> thing to do you know <laughs> holding a drink and a smoke 
and you go to let go to have one, you can't hang on, hey, and, and the car would have hit a bump or whatever happened and I just went flying off the back and, and smashed my head again and, and I was out, hey, and the, the boys picked me up and, and they still tell me to this day, man, we were just pinching you and doing whatever we could. We thought you were gone, eh? And off the hospital again. Yeah. And so at, at this point, I'm imagining the doctors are getting your accident history and they're seeing what has happened to you in the past and perhaps some of the progress that you've made of coming good again and 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 you're here again. At, at this point, what are the doctors telling you, knowing what they know and, I guess, knowing what you know? Yeah. Yeah, so at this point, I'm getting grilled, not just, oh, it's going to be this way, you know. They're like, man, if you hit your head again, that's it, you know, because you've, you, you were lucky to survive the first time. And now by some, I don't know how you survived this time, but you've survived now. But if it happens again, that won't be three times lucky, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got pretty heavily grilled by by some doctors about that, but um, after that second time, I was like really, oh well, whatever, you know. Mm. This, this is the end now because because that run that one really did did take me down, you know. And I, I was I was pretty much housebound after that for a, a long time. Yeah. 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 Because I I imagine at that point, you know, there's maybe you're you're a bit angry with yourself maybe you're just angry at your misfortune in life i mean i'm sure you're probably hanging around with a bunch of people who are doing all sorts of stupid things probably stupider than what you've been doing and nothing bad's happening to them and and yet why are you getting all of these things happen to you all at once uh i imagine you must be pretty mad yeah you know it's interesting um i was angry but I wasn't angry at anyone else. I didn't care that they were doing the same things as me and they didn't get hurt. That was just, you know, I, I got I got picked out to be the one that was going to happen to. But mm. I did get angry, but I got angry at God and uh. I took it out on God because I, I knew God, you know. I had a, that basis relationship with him when I was younger and I thought, well, here's the proof. There's mm. the proof that you don't care. So you're just going to pick on me now, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff's going through my head. I can look back now and, and realise that that it wasn't God at all, you know, that actions have consequences and I was doing silly things which end bad, you know, yeah. but at the time I couldn't see that because I was angry. Yeah. Or maybe God is protecting your mates but he's just chosen not to protect you because, yeah. you know, he's... He's got it in for you or something like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah, those sort of things are going through my head, you know, and everyone's, you know, my my dad and and these people that he would send around to see me, they're all saying, oh, God loves you, God loves you, and I'll look at myself and I'll go, have a look at me. <laughs> and tell me that God loves me. Yeah. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you mentioned that um, your your dad, uh, particularly, he kept sending people towards you, pastors or I assume Christians. Um, how did that go down? Yeah, so so my dad never get up, gave up. Hey? And I, uh, I really give it to them because even going back right to the start when we were removed from them, that would have been a hard thing for a parent to go through, you know. I know what it was like when I lost my daughter. And um, for them to still keep their faith through that, like I, I take my hat off to them, you know, 
But he, they never gave up. They never went, oh, well, your life's going nowhere or, you know, they were just there to love me and love me and love me, you know, no matter how bad my life went. Mm. And, um, but, yeah, he, he would send guys around and, and I'd be waiting for him. hey. I'd be sitting there and I'd know they were coming and, and I'd, I'd make sure that I'd had at least half a carton or whatever before they'd got there and, and had a take on the pipe and made sure I was really, you know, you know, ready for him, ready, fired up for him. And I'd be, I'd, I'd be, and, and I knew a little bit about scripture too, because I was old enough to have picked up a little bit. So I could, I could argue back mm-hmm. and um, yeah, but I never, I was never at the stage where, where I was willing to listen. Mm. I was going to tell. Mm. Yeah, and that's yeah. what, that's what happened every time. Interesting. Really interesting. Um, you, you mentioned your daughter. Um, uh, so I just want to, um, piece together uh, at this point um is your daughter in the picture um when you're sort of housebound after your second accident no so my daughter's in the picture like just after this so okay. this is 2012 and then when we get to 2013 she was born yeah okay okay so i i imagine that that probably wasn't the most peaceful um, healthy in, environment for um, a little kid to, to to grow up in. So, do you mind telling us a little bit about sort of what happened there? Because I want I, I want to get to the story when you're at yeah, the yeah, courthouse because yeah. that's brilliant. So, yeah. tell us a little bit about before then. Yeah. So, so I had had this relationship with a, a girl, and um, and you know, one thing led to another, and we we had a child, but um. But both of our lives weren't in the right direction, you know, and and it wasn't the ideal environment for a child to grow up in. I think when we had Ambrosia that I um, I did tone things down a little bit because you're like, you're a parent, you know, mm. and you're like, man, it's time to grow up. But um, probably not enough. And and our our relationship with me and her mother was always at tension because I was unwell. Mm. And when you're unwell, you can't do this and you can't do that. And and she's got to try and look after you and the child. And and um, yeah, she we she had the baby and and then went through a bit of depression after that. And and that that made things hard as well. And then. Um, yeah, and then then the, the the breakup happened, and and they left, and and she took the child. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Thank you for sharing that. It it must be a, a painful part because yeah, in many ways, that's the the decisions that you can't you can't take back. Um, no, that but... that's right. You know, and and that was a another Kickstarter for me to just not care anymore. You know. Mm. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I mean, you've had this child. She and her mother are gone now. I mean, what else is there left to live for? I suppose, as as dire as that sounds, that does that sound a little bit like how it was? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, so now I I not only had my my health, I I not only had um, you know, I I didn't I couldn't work, I couldn't do anything, you know. So so what what point, what what point was there to to live, you know, so that's mm. when I really hit the hard stuff, 
and I got into the criminal scene and, you know, and, and got into some bad stuff, as I said. Yeah. 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 You mentioned in, um, in the video, um, your, your theory about your tattoos. Um, and yeah, yeah. I know that many, uh, many people are probably wondering about the tattoos. I'm, I'm sure it's a great conversation starter when you meet somebody in Woolies. Um, yeah. but <laughs> tell us a little bit about the tattoos and, and your theory behind them. Yeah. So, so when it all started, I, I, um, I, I met a guy that lived across the road from me when I was put in housing commission and, um, he did tattoos and, um, I just, I just said, oh, I want to get, I want to get um, covered in skulls, you know, and because I, I was, I was told, you know, two years max, your life, that's it, you know, and wow. um, so, so I got on my shoulders, I got traditional death roses, one on each, for the one each year, and then I wanted to get covered in, in full tattoo, full suit of tattoo, and then get get buried in the coffin with an open coffin with no clothes on, you know, just covered in tats. And um, and this guy was up for the challenge. He was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's start covering you. So, like, we he, we went to work and, like, in in 12 months I went from, like, here to to my belly button, you know, just covered. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, so that that theory, pretty grim. But clearly God had some other plans, didn't he? Because of all of the pastors and all of the people that your dad sent your way, there was one person who was not like all of the others. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's right, you know. And um, and he was the one that actually said to me, he, he goes, because I've got some tattoos on me that you wouldn't show to people, you know. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> He said to me, he goes, this just goes to show me that God has a sense of humour because now you're looking at that and that's on you for life. Yeah. And, um, you know, you have to deal with that now. And, and it's true. But, um, but yeah, he, he was different, you know, and he, his attitude was not I'm going to Bible bash you or I'm going to drill this into you. And, no, he just spent time with me like a normal friend would, you know. Never mentioned God, just spent time with me and um, opened up to me about his life and about the things that he'd been through. And um, and that really resonated with me, you know. I could see that that this guy was different. He hadn't just been to college and and learned all this stuff in in books and then gone out to try to put that to practice. No, he'd lived a life. Mm. He'd lived a life that was similar to me. And then I started to think, well, if this guy, if God could change this guy, maybe, maybe, just maybe God can change me, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I started to think that. But but then I was in that battle and I mentioned it in the video when when he, he approached me about Bible studies. I was also mm-hmm. asked for an opportunity to take him down, you know, because pride. Yeah. All these other guys had come to my place and I'd been able to shut them down. And here's this guy and he's touching my heart. God's using him to touch my heart. And I'm still fighting that, you know. Mm. I'm still fighting that. I'm like, oh no, I can't can't give in here, or otherwise dad'll be like, Oh, I told you so. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, man. Um, so there's this there's this battle going on. You you kind of like this guy. It sounds like you you had an affinity, the two of you, that you actually you understood him. He, you know, presumably he understood you as well. And yet there's this sort of like, I can't let him win, or yeah. maybe I can't let dad win or I can't let God win. Sort yeah. of yeah. yeah. Um and I was really I really surprised at I guess the way that God won. Um he invited you to 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 have a Bible or he came to you to have a Bible study. Tell us about yeah, what so, happened. So um so he asked me to to come to a Bible study and at this stage of my life I was living out in um with my parents. Well that's where I was sleeping at least. Okay. I was living at the pub in my mate's place. But um <laughs> But he invited me to come to a study and he he just come out to see my mum and dad and and then he was waiting for me and I was down the road that day at my mate's place and we were all getting on the pipes after we were a big day at the pub. And um I said to the boys, I said, Today's the day. <laughs> you know? And then, you know, like I did, I, I like this guy, hey, and but I still I was full of pride. Hmm. You know, and the way that God used that was so cool, you know, like I came into that study thinking, telling all my mates, you watch, I'm going to come back to your place tonight and we're going to have a big laugh about how I shut this guy down. And yet I came into the study and I sat down in my parents' lounge room. So he was on my ground and he just opened up the Bible and it wasn't a, a heavy theological study or a, oh, this is going to touch your heart study. It was just a simple reading God's word. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, he, we opened up to Genesis and we were talking about creation. And he said, we read the passage where it says that God spoke and things came into existence. And it was right there and then that before I could even, like I said, before I could even have a go at him, that the the pride that I had in here just crumbled up and I hung my head and I cried like a little girl. Big, tough Greg, you know, full of pride, crying like a little girl. And I looked up at him and I looked him in the eyes and I had tears rolling down my face, you know. Mm. And I said, I've been wasting my life. Mm. 15 years of my life I've just wasted when there's a God out there who loves me. Because during that moment when I hung my head down in shame and I was at the weakest point that I'd been for a long time, God spoke to me. Mm. You know, God spoke to me and said, I know where you've been, I know what you've done, and I still love you. Wow. And like I said, the Holy Spirit just hit me in the face like a brick and I knew that God was there and God cared about me. And then from that moment on, I wanted to see Jesus. Wow. Wow. I so unexpected the way that God works. Hey, it it never ceases to amaze me that, you know, even for those of us, you know, as a Christian myself, I often want to put God in a box or make him fit around what I think about him. And yet, yeah. He, then, then he shows up, and he does 
the most unexpected things in the most beautiful way. Um, your life then started to, to, to really shift after this, right? Yeah, and straight away too. Like it wasn't like a, a heavy progression thing, you know. Like this is, I'm only talking seven years ago now. Right. I was 30 when I was rebaptized. But from that moment on when I said that I wanted to follow Jesus with all my heart, that's when things started to change. Mm. You know, because I was allowing God into my life to make those changes. And it's not until you do that that God can actually work. You know, the Bible says that that um, Jesus stands at the door and knocks, but you've got to let him in for him to be able to work in your life. Mm. You know, so so from then on things did change and I went I went back from that Bible study and, and um, like I said, no more drugs. That was mm. it. The next day I woke up and I even looked at the, the bag and the pipe and that sitting there and I went, nah, mm. not today. Mm. Mm. That, yeah, wow. Um, I actually, we, we do have a question uh, around that. So if we could get that on the screen from Carrie, um, she says, did you struggle with quitting the drugs and, and smoking? Um, and it wasn't just that, it was, it was um, alcohol as well, I suppose. Yeah. You, you made that decision, but in terms of the long term, how did that look like for you? Yeah, so, so the drugs was just like I made that decision and God... God must have known that that was a big one for me, you know, and he so graciously just took that. And that doesn't happen to everyone. Some mm. people need to go to rehab and do all that stuff. That stuff didn't work for me. God just took it. But um, smoking, on the other hand, well, that, <laughs> that, was a, that was another lesson that I had to learn from God. You know, God took the drugs from me like that, but then it was like the smoking. He was like, no, you need to participate too. Mm. And mm. and I thought it was just going to be as easy as getting on my knees and saying, "Will you help me quit?" And then it was going to happen, but it didn't work like that. Mm. It, um, I really struggled with that for a long time, and I was even back at church, and and still smoking, you know, for for a long time. And um, and God would just continually plug at me and plug at me, and but even things like I'd be driving down the the road and I could smell it in the car, you know. And then there'd be that yuck, don't do mm. it, mm. you know. And um, but I was I come across some Bible texts. Um, one was Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength, you know. And I can do all things. Not I can do all things except give up smoking. <laughs> so I can do all things. And every time I had a craving, I'd claim that, or I'd claim. Um, First Corinthians seven thirteen, I think it is. Um, no temptation um, has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But um, God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted more than you are able. Mm. And and I'd have that craving, and I go, Lord, I don't want to go and buy a packet now. I need a way out. Give me a way out. And mm. God would provide that way. And mm. so eventually, smoking was the last one to go. But but yeah, I. I was um God gave me the 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 power to to give that up yeah mm, that's i I think that's such a rich observation because you know I think it's often one or the other either 
you have to work really hard and go to rehab and do your 12-step program and or you know god's just going to take it away but i think you are living proof that in some ways yeah god does the miraculous and he actually does something which we cannot man you know just just do on our own strength but then he also invites us to participate in the healing and restoration process yeah. which yeah, yeah that and i think that must have built more than just hey i've quit smoking isn't that great that must have built discipline that must have built some more self-confidence in you as well like that whole thing must have been a really great growing experience as well for you oh yeah definitely it was faith building you know watching all those things happen, watching God work in my life like that and actually like knowing that that this person that you cannot see mm. is actually there helping you, you know, and and it was a huge relief to me too because I didn't have to stop down the road before I got to church to punch <laughs> in a cigarette and then spray deodorant all over you and think that everyone didn't know that you were doing it, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sorry. it was it was it was definitely faith building you know, and, and, and it is tough. It is tough, but, but, but through God, you can do it, you know? Mm. Well, I know that's going to give hope to a lot of people out there. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and thank you, Carrie, for your question. If you have a question, I know that we have a few in the, in the comments and we'll get to those. So thank you for sending those through. If you um, have something you'd like to share um, or ask Greg, punch it in and we'll get to it. Uh, I really want to quickly get to um well two things first getting your daughter back because that is a, a, a amazing story and meeting your lovely wife um bonita so tell us a little bit about your story about um your your daughter yeah okay so yeah so my daughter so uh, she was three months when when she was taken away and and i had completely no access to her for a good 12 months i reckon you know, phone call after phone call, I want to see her, I want to see her. And it was always no, no, you know. And then it was, oh, well, if you, if we get a, like a, an agreement made up, then, then yeah. And so, um, so I, I went through that process. I went and had to go and see a lawyer and, and do all that stuff. And, and, um, and that didn't work out. And then finally, the, the lawyer that I was seeing at the time, she was just like, well, you just will have to go into the court system, you know, and, and that's a long process and I don't wish that on anyone. Hey, not even my worst enemy. And um, so it was, it was a good, well, tw so let's say three, three or four years, I think in the court system, wow. going to court like every so-and-so months, you know, and just building, you know, but, it was that was also faith building because at that time I was on my own, you know, and mm. and all I had was was God. So every time I went to the courthouse, I'd take my Bible, and while you're sitting there waiting to go in, I'd just read, you know, and it was like God was there with me. Mm. And um, so I had all sorts of stuff thrown at me, and. You know, it's a it's a dirty process where where people say things about you and they they dig up all the stuff about your life and you know so it wasn't a pleasant experience. But then um, then came a point where I I actually got access to to see her for two hours a fortnight, mm. and um, this went on for a while and 
and um, that was fantastic. And and um, but I still I wanted to to bring her into a godly home, you know. I wanted to give my daughter salvation. That I wanted to introduce her to Jesus, you know. And I couldn't do that while she wasn't living with me. And so I just kept praying and and um, giving it to God. And and then it came um, it came to a point where um, I was um, I had her and and I I had an opportunity to not take her back. And this was this was going to to either go one way or the other. So I was under a court order that I had to take her back after the two hours, or or I was breaking the court order. So so the two ways it was going to go was I was going to keep her, and then I'd have to go back to court and see how it would all pan out. And I would have to have substantial evidence that I was removing her for a reason or I was going to be breaking the court order and I'd go back to not seeing her, you know. Mm. And um, with God's guidance and, and a lot of, lot of prayer, um, I, I kept her that weekend. And um, then we went back into the, the court system and and um, that day we walked in and, like I said, it was full, hey. Mm. All the chairs in the waiting room were full and the ones on the walls were full, yeah, you know, but spare seat next to me. We go into the courtroom to have the hearing, then we come out, and this happens three times during the day, in and out, in and out, in and out, and always a spare seat next to me. That's when I was smelling my armpits and, <laughs> and I'm, what's going on here? Like no one wants to sit next to me. Am, am I really bad, you know? And um, and then I was um, I was awarded full custody that day. Wow. And um, so my daughter's lived with me ever since and and yeah, I just I praise God every day for that because mm. you know, I she she loves church, she loves Jesus, you know, she's participating here in things and and she has a life now, a, a saved life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, man, there's so much more that we could talk about. Um unfortunately we're not gonna have time this evening, but um you decided to start serving in your local church, you decided, hey, uh, let's get a um, some education and, and get a step towards um, becoming a pastor. And um, oh, that's where you are today. And that's that's incredible. Um, but then you uh, you are alone still with your daughter at this stage. Yeah, yeah, I was um, when I was Bible working, so backed up a bit. Yeah, um, before before I became a pastor at the church, I was I was alone then, so a single dad. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, that's when I threw in the the work from the world and just just did Bible studies there in the community. And um, actually, my that was when I, I would meet other people. I I I like to 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 connect with people that have been through similar things to me. It's just they're the people that I gel with with mm. good and it's it's I've, I'm in a good community for that because there's a lot of that and um and that's when I met my partner yeah she, uh, my wife sorry and yeah. um yeah she um she came from a similar a background addiction background and she was at Canberra at the time and um she'd she'd had a drug overdose and um had a cardiac arrest on the table and um the everyone had backed up and said no she's gone 
and there was there was one lady in the in the operating theater who who went to church you know who was a believer and she said no no she's not she's not dead yet and did CPR on her and I got the phone call to to pray for this girl hey at four o'clock in the morning it was and I was wow. out on the bed praying for this girl and um and um because I'd met her before through a family that she was associated with here in Grafton and um yeah and and then when she came back to Grafton um she contacted me actually and said I want to study the Bible and I said oh yeah cool I said, oh, well, I mean, I lived at Mulloway at this stage and I used to travel to Grafton for work. And, and I said, well, I'm in town this day and this day. And she goes, both days we'll meet up. <laughs> she was keen. Yeah, she was keen. Eh? She was keen to get to know <laughs> God. Eh? And, and I'd only met her once before and I thought, man, this, this girl's obviously searching. So, mm. so, yeah, that's how it started out. We started out studying the Bible. And you could see it every study. She was just her eyes, hey she was wanting truth so badly wanting truth and um oh like to this day like i've never studied the bible with someone like benita you know mm-hmm. really just so passionate like I, I need to know you know and um yeah so so we studied for for a few months and then and then the natural progression, I guess, of spending time with someone so much, because we were spending a lot of time with each other, you know, is um, is you build a friendship. And we started to build a friendship and then the the studies turned into to studies and lunch dates and then the, the, the lunch dates turned into dinner dates and then she started coming on other studies with me and then we would go away and talk about that and, um, yeah, she she basically became the offsider. Mm. Um, so we were working together, studying in the community. And um, and then I, I got the privilege of baptizing her. She was my first baptism, actually. Wow. Yeah, so I got the privilege of baptizing her. And then, then we got engaged. And then five months later, we were married. Hey, eh? we knew. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. And now um, you've got a growing family. You uh, you have a, a couple of kids. I believe that actually you've just had a new addition to your family recently. Yeah, yeah. So so we've got my eldest daughter from before. Um, we've got the our first child that Benita and I had, which we had two years ago when we first got married. She was a honeymoon baby, <laughs> and then we just had our second together. So she's only like she's fresh, eh? Only not even three weeks old yet wow congratulations that's amazing yeah and thanks and we also have four foster children oh only four yeah only four (laughs) (laughs) i imagine i imagine it must be a pretty hectic household yeah it's a crazy house eh? yeah it's crazy (laughs) and it's tough but but the kids are good you know yeah Mm. and 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 they love coming to church and and getting to know god and it's it's just good to give give kids a good life, you know? Mm. Oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. Um, now, Greg, we have a, a few questions. So uh, would you mind if we spend a little bit more time getting to some of these questions? We might go over time a little bit. Yeah, it's okay. Go for your life. All right. Brilliant. Uh, thank you for your questions. Once again, if there are, um, if there are any more, uh, and I should, um, I should mention as well, before I forget, if you want to read 
all about Benita's story that Greg only just touched on. Uh, July uh, issue of Signs of the Times magazine is where you can read that. All right. Uh, cheeky plug over, over. Alex, he says, uh, did any of your old mates decide to follow you on your new path with God? I'm so glad someone asked that question. Eh? That's an awesome question. And uh, hi, Alex. Yeah, good. Thanks for tuning in. Um, yes, they did, actually. I'm very fortunate or very blessed by God to be working in a community where people know the old Greg and the new Greg and all do people know the old Greg. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, so, so, yeah, it was like my second, I think, it, yes, it was my second baptism was actually my best mate. Oh wow! And he was my best man at my wedding, and um, yeah, so so we used to hang out a lot together. And um, he actually had an accident himself. He got hit by a car in an eighty k zone on the way home from the pub. Oi! And um, it really knocked him about. And I remember he said to me in hospital, he he said, you know, um, he said, you know, there's there's got to be more to this, you know, what's uh. What you know? What what's a Bible verse that you would give me? You know, and and Romans eighteen uh, eight eighteen came to mind. You know, the 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 things that we go through now and nothing can be compared to mm. to the glories later. And, and mm. um, but yeah, he he um he always made little cracks. You know, oh, I'll come to church one day and get a little bit of Jesus, you know, and and, and all that stuff. And, <laughs> and I'll just make sure I prayed with him every time. You know. And I'm um, just planting little seeds here and there. And then then one day he goes to me, hey, he goes, isn't heaven full? Wouldn't heaven be full? Imagine all the people that have died. Heaven's got to be full, eh? It's got to be full. <laughs> and I said, well, actually, the, the the Bible doesn't teach that people go straight to heaven, you know, that actually teaches that, that they're asleep until Jesus comes back. And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, check this out. And I just ripped out my Bible and that was my opening. And um, we started reading through, through the, you know, the state of the dead, and and um, he was converted right there and then. Right, there. he was like, "Oh, whoa, this is this is real." You know, God had touched his heart, and it yes. wasn't long after that um, he came to a he came to a small group that we that I used to run, and I told him it was a pizza night because we were having pizza first. <laughs> well, um, we had pizza, and then we went into the room for the Bible study, and. <laughs> Yeah, he started coming to them and then he started coming to church and then he gave his heart to Jesus. So wow. yeah, he was he was one of my mates and um and then yeah, then there was um young Harlan. Harlan came came to the law, he was a good friend of mine and and yeah, I, I often talk to my mates about it, you know. I lost a lot of mates too through it. But um yeah, I did have some come some mates come to the law and and I just pray every day for for the guys that I know now. You know that that they mm. will come to. Mm. That's brilliant. Uh, it's not a question, but Ken um, had some really kind words. Thank you, Greg, for your openness and honesty. May the Lord bless you abundantly in your ministry, family, and life. All glory to God for His work in your life. Beautiful, yeah, praise Ken. God, man. Thanks, Ken. Um, Michelle asks, after being taken from your parents, how did you get reunited with them? So this is going back. Yeah, yeah. So they um they obviously went through the court process too, and um 
And like I said, they they were accused of a lot of things that they didn't do, and that just didn't play out in court. the mm. The authorities had no evidence against them, so they 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 won us back. But it was it was sad how it had to happen actually, because um, they were pretty much forced into they had to admit to one thing to get us back. So they've got a, a slash against their name now for the rest of their oh. lives or whatever. But um, they got us back, yeah, and um, oh. we went home to mum and dad, yeah. Mm, awesome. Uh, Mary asks, do people still judge you um, for your tattoos? <laughs> so um, actually when you say people, that's sort of wide. So yeah, I guess people in the faith, in the church, no. The first day that I rocked into this church, I was wearing a singlet and a sh- pair of shorts and <laughs> It didn't look good, eh? <laughs> um, and uh, I was never judged. I was never looked down on. I was never, you know, oh, you know, go out, you, you two, not, not, shouldn't be in here. Um, I actually get commented on a lot by a lot of people. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to see you in here with all them on you because I feel at home now. Yeah, you know, so, so God uses that, which is, which is a blessing. You know, the, the people that I do get judged by are people in the community, actually, that are unbelievers. Oh. And, um, like, that one on my neck, it's pretty it's pretty in your face, you know. And I remember when I first mm. got that, hey, it would turn every head through the shopping centre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. But, but like, I, it doesn't worry me, you know. Mm. If people want to look down at me because I've got some income here, well, that's their prerogative, you know. I know that God loves me and that's all that, that's all that matters. Well, you know, you mentioned before that, you know, your heart is really for people who were like you who have a similar story to yours. And, look, I, I'm a pastor. I've, uh, I've hung out with a lot of pastors and, and most pastors look like me, you know, kind of clean-shaven, <laughs> ordinary, bookish types, you know. We don't really look like the sort of people that would be comfortable uh, in your sort of crowd, uh, whether that's true or not, that's not a judgment call. It just that's how it looks sometimes. So, yeah, it's it's probably you know a really great thing that God can actually use what you have on you physically to connect with people that maybe I couldn't connect with. Um, so that's yeah, cool. no, and and that's true. God can um, bring anything to His glory, and and I've witnessed that in my life a lot. He he uses these tattoos for His glory, you know. And, and that's why I say about his sense of humour. He's like, you're stuck with them on you, but I'm going to use them for my glory now, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and he does. And the same goes for me. Like I can't connect with people that you guys can connect with that are, you know, like, mm. like I'm not good at connecting with um, other circles of people that, you know, are, are not like me, you know. But mm. but that's why that's why um the gospel is a call for all people because we need all people to save all people mm. because oh. everybody, yeah, everybody has a, an individual that's, that they're designed to save, you know? Yeah, that, that is a profound thought. Thank you. Um, maybe a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek question, but I think it's actually quite a good question. 16-Bit yeah, Fight Club says, how does a rep how does a reprobate like me come back to Christ? How does he come back to, how do you come back to Christ? Man, that's simple. 
All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. If God can save me, and like we've 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 gone a little bit deeper tonight, but there's a lot of stuff that that hasn't been shared. Like like I look back at my life now, and I think that if God can save me, then God can save anyone. Because I was like the unsavable, and people I had people say that to me, you know, or to my family. It's too late for him. Forget it, mm. you know. But um, all you got to do is ask. All you got to do is is you ask God. You cry out to God, and you say, maybe you're in a position where you can't change. Maybe you're in a a position where um you think that God's not going to forgive you, but He will. The only thing you you just got to be willing. If you're willing to come to Christ, then Christ will will accept you in. Christ is not going to accept you in if you're not willing. But if you're willing to come to Christ, then he'll have you just like that. Mm. Amen. Awesome. Um, I think I think one final question. If there are any that sneak in before we've finished, then that's all good. Um, but David Boyd, he asks, what would you say to my daughter? She's been on drugs for the last... 30 years, brought up as an Adventist Christian. Yeah, I guess, um, oh, man, it's tough because you never know what brought her into that scene or, or why she's there. You know, maybe she was hurt or, but but what would I say to her? I'd, I'd say the same thing that, that people said to me, you know. There's a God out there who does love you. There's a God out there who cares. There's a God out there who who doesn't care how many drugs you've taken or or what you've done or how long you've been on this path for, but he's he's there with you through that situation and and he wants you to be free from that stuff. That stuff we always see, that is the outlet, but really that's what's pulling us down. And there, there's a God out there that cares about you, hey, and and um who who wants you to to come to him and experience a life free free from all those things and um yeah yeah and i would say you know david i'm sure you and and your wife if um you know you, you're still there together yeah i'm sure it's it's a really awful thing to have to see somebody that you love go through that for so long but i i know from um, experiences from people I've seen and just listening to Greg's um, story, don't give up on her, you know. No matter how dark it is, don't give up on her. No, and that, that's 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 something yeah, I would like to say to David actually because my parents went through that, you know, and and that's it. Don't ever stop loving your daughter because she's a drug addict or whatever, you know. If you can just continue to love her and show her, a reflect a Christ-like character to her, then then while there's life, there's hope. Mm. You know, yeah. while there's life, there's hope. And keep praying because intercessory prayer just works wonders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure there were many people praying for you over the years. Hey, Greg. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that is going to bring us to the end of our time together this evening. Um, I want to thank everybody for um, their questions and for participating with us this evening. Um, I've been 
really, really encouraged by this. Um, and thank you, Greg, um, for, for being vulnerable, uh, for sharing so much of yourself with us. I know that uh, uh, when we share those parts of ourselves that you know aren't, aren't always nice, that um, it really connects with, with our experiences. And um, yeah, I, I think it, you know, they often say that people admire your strengths, but they'll identify with your weaknesses. And I think the way that God has used you, um, yeah, is just such a powerful example of how he can uh, impact other people's lives. So, so thank you. No, thanks very much for having me. It was actually, um, it was fun guys. And um, thanks for tuning in and, and yeah, um, everyone's got a story. Hey, you all have a Absolutely. story. You all have a story and, and, and God has a plan for each one of you. Mm, absolutely. So, um, yes, that brings us to the end of our time together this evening. I, I just want to quickly mention as, at, as well at the very end, if you would like to read more stories um, like Greg's, you can go to signsofthetimes.org.au. You can read the stories on the uh, website. But if you want to get a subscription to the magazine, you can get one month free by going to the website, hitting the subscribe button and entering the coupon code Greg for free. That is G-R-E-G, -E the number four, F-R-E-E, -E, and you'll be able to get an extra month on us. So um, go to the website, have a read. If you, uh, if you like what you see, subscribe to the magazine. Otherwise, um, we will keep sending you cool stuff uh, like this story. So until we uh, see you again next time, God bless you, and uh, we will see you next time. See you later, everybody. Thanks, guys. This episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A print subscription is $28 a year or just $14 for a digital subscription. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. This is an Adventist Media Podcast.